And say, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So your family, your family were shy men. What exactly does that mean? He's like, I don't know. They don't want to talk about it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Demonstrate the Loop, a Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk about things from discussions, deck decks, and set dissections. And today, we're going to be doing just a discussion. And this subject was brought on by me. And I'm going to just uh, lay it all out there, nice and simple, for you big dilly-dallies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And oh, we're, this... uh, we're Drew and Josh, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm Daniel. Hello. What's <laughs> up? I was going to get there. I was going to do my other bit first. But, oh. But all first, right. let's introduce our hosts. Hosts number one, Drew. Hello. Hello. Host number three, Josh. Hello. Hello. Host number two, Dan. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this Thank episode you, is an idea of mine, and mm-hmm. the episode essentially boils down to Mana Crypt should be the same price as a Soul Ring, or they both should cost less money, and it also should be in every deck. And it would be very good if it was. This is Commander, of course. I, I think in every deck, everywhere. <laughs> it would be crazy. But yeah. in Commander, I think that that should happen and it would be good if that happened for everyone. Mm -hmm. Do I think that there are decks that wouldn't want to run Mana Crypt? There is one deck I could possibly think of, and it's a deck I built one time that is based around the first sliver (laughs) and hitting hypergenesis. So you just run like your four drops and down or just the cascade cards to hit hypergenesis, but then everything else in the deck is like, six seven eight drops yeah in that mm-hmm. deck no you would not want to have mana crypt because yeah you'd probably hit it in cascading shucks there's huh. one example of what deck you wouldn't want to do it in i don't think mm-hmm. there's any other ones and if anyone has any examples i don't want to hear it right now because i'm currently talking to my two friends and you <laughs> should not be in this room um and i will talk about the impetus Uh, sort of Mm -hmm. of what brought this idea on to me and it was a very curious decision that wizards has made this year this the year of our devil 2020 (laughs) um the year uh, of our dark lord 2020 it's a it's a very interesting thing they did because this is Mm -hmm. the year of commander of all things a very Mm -hmm. important year for commander indeed and wouldn't you know it i i thought it was odd um in mystery boosters mystery boosters if any of you guys remember came out uh, earlier this year mm-hmm, uh, in mm-hmm. retail it's a splendid set probably my favorite set of the year and then icoria right after um but in mystery booster uh it was about 125 dollars for a box so it was semi-premium about the mm-hmm, price mm-hmm, of a regular mm-hmm. box slightly less boosters but a semi-premium yeah. set booster packs were about six dollars a piece and what what was in that set? What was one of the cards you could get just in this ho-hum diggery, not very expensive set to get? Well, mm-hmm. by gum, there were mana crypts in there. They just had mana crypts yep. in this set for no reason, along with Diabolic Tutor and all these other big good things. Yeah, and I started thinking, I'm like, why would wizards just throw mana crypt into, a, into mystery boosters? That seems so bizarre. And then lo and behold, later on in the year, in this same year of our devil, 2020, <laughs> they they announced Double Masters. Now, this is a premium set. It is an expensive set, but every single pack is two rares or a mm-hmm. mythic and a rare, and then each box comes with two box toppers. And wouldn't you know it, what was printed in this set? Well, by gum, it's Mana Crypt. Again, twice Whoa. in one year in a very, very reliable printing kind of a... a, a I guess way yeah (laughs) frequency or something yeah and i was trying to think of what is another time that wizards has printed a card like that twice in the same year and i i couldn't find a good one like i i think maybe jace the mind sculptor showed up in like the super duper planeswalker amazing edition of a specific booster box as a guaranteed promo Mm -hmm. yeah the mythic edition boxes Mm -hmm. and then maybe in one of the things, but that's not quite the same because this isn't a $6 booster pack that could just potentially have a mana crypt 
or a $15 booster pack that could potentially have a mana crypt. And so I got to, I got to thinking, why? Why on earth would Wizards print this card twice? I, I figured it out. It's the year 2020. Both of these sets, I don't think, were led by um, the main design team of Standard. These are put together by some of the outside people, the people a little more in tune. And it's because they're trying to drive down that price of Mana Crypt huge. They want that price mm. low, low. Now, will the secondary market ever let that happen? No. But Wizards for once is trying. And why mm -hmm. would Wizards do that? Because it's the year of Commander and cards are terrible. Cards that are new <laughs> and cards that are strong commanders are good and they're strong and they do too much too fast. I hear people often say, I hear people say, hey, you know what we should do? We should ban mana rocks. We should ban soul rings. We should ban the fast hmm. mana. And then you know what happens? Is that someone still plays Cannon and someone still plays hmm. Edgar Markov. And wouldn't you know it, those decks do very well. And no other decks can catch up <laughs> at all. Because they're not allowed to run those things because by gum fast mana isn't in the spirit of the game. Mm -hmm. But Edgar Markov's fine. Atrax is okay. That's all perfectly fine. Ramp decks, get all the lands you need. We can't answer them and we're not allowed to run equivalents of it because <laughs> the spirit of the game, I guess. No, I say. Absolutely not nil. Every deck. Every Fine deck foo. should be running Mana Crypt. Every deck should be running Ancient Tomb. And those cards should be, and Wizards is trying, to get those cards way, way, way low. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so think, think of an example. All right? Think of an example. We're sitting at a table. And let's say, oh, hey, that person is playing Kangi. Y'all know Kangi? Ooh, who can the bird the the feather counter bird kangi <laughs> is two yeah. uh, blue and a white with a kicker a two and x flying <laughs> and kangi airy keeper comes into play if you paid the kicker you put x feather counters on it and all birds get plus one plus one for each feather counter on kangi you sit across from a kangi <laughs> and you say okay that's a kangi and then you sit across <laughs> from an urza also at the table. Mm -hmm. Let's imagine that none of those cards, none of those decks ran Soul Ring. None of them had Mana Crypt. Mm -hmm. Who is favored to win that game? That's got to be, I mean, I don't want to insult all the CEDH Kangi builds, but I mean, that's Urza. Well, Kangi's uh, yes. flying, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very good. And that is true. Now let's imagine. Mm -hmm. Let's imagine that it's turn one. And the Urza deck, who everybody looks at and knows, unless you're being purposefully obtuse, everyone can look at <laughs> yeah. the Urza deck and say, this deck is probably going to win. This deck at this mm -hmm. table is not the reason I'm excited to play Commander right now. It's probably mm -hmm. the other decks at the table. This deck right here is just going to do the thing, and it's not going to be where the enjoyment comes from. And then the Kangi deck is there, and is mm -hmm. going to lose. <laughs> you look at the Kangi deck and you say, gee, I feel bad for them. Now mm -hmm. let's say this Kangi deck, turn one, Ancient Tomb, Soul Ring, Mana Crypt. What is your initial reaction there? Is it, oh no, the Kangi deck is going off? <laughs> or is it more so, hey, the Kangi deck gets to play magic against the Urza deck? <laughs> It's, it's actually a, stand a chance. For me, it's a mixture because for me, it's oh shit, the Kangi deck is going off like in an excited <laughs> way. Yeah, right. and that's another thing. Yeah. And this is what I wanted to get into. I call it the law of diminishing returns. I came up with that idea. I came yes. up with law of diminishing returns wow. because if you see a Kangi deck, and this, and I'm going to use an example. Um, mm -hmm. You know, whenever I'm playing, or when we were playing last time, we played against Josh's decks. He used his big sea monsters deck. Now, I like the big sea monsters decks. Mm -hmm. I like it, but I do think that me and Drew have a couple of decks that are going to outclass and <laughs> beat that deck every single time. The only yes. time... The deck is cute, okay? The deck is cute, and don't get me wrong, I like that the deck is cute. <laughs> yeah. I love that the deck is cute, and I want players to play cute decks, but the 
only reason you won the last time we played was because <laughs> I had out a time sifter that gave you extra turns and yes. Drew bounced every land back to the runner's hands. <laughs> you didn't play any cards that let you do those things. No. <laughs> we essentially, it's essentially I said, oh, does Josh need extra turns? And then you said, yes. And Josh also needs to get ahead on mana. So let's yeah. make sure. And then, so we just handed it to you on a silver platter. If you were to start the game off dropping a mana crypt and a soul ring and then tapping for a signet, I'd say, nice. He's going to play more than one creature on turn six. <laughs> it's going to happen. I would be genuinely excited. Now, here's where mm. the diminishing returns comes in. All right. I'm sitting across and let's just say all things are equal. Every deck is running these. And you see, ah, the Urza player is dropping a turn one mana crypt into a soul ring in an ancient tomb mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how upset are you are you are you that much more upset than you would be playing against an urza deck anyway <laughs> because it's, the decks are yeah. too powerful now where the ones mm -hmm. that are good are good whether they have it or not worst case scenario is that this deck that no one is excited to play against because it will win is mm -hmm. going to win. No one is surprised, <laughs> and then you get mm -hmm. to go to another game. Yeah. It will end mm -hmm. faster. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's either I'm super mm -hmm. pumped for the person with the bad deck because they get to keep up with their old, terrible, outclassed commander <laughs> versus this person is playing a good, strong deck that probably isn't very fun to watch. And wouldn't you know it? Okay, they're being good and strong. <laughs> they've, they've done a big, strong thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's the... Uh, if you have an Urza deck, even built just like... Horribly. Like, it's like, what's the floor on an Urza, right? Because I, I guess unless you're doing it the Ashling the Pilgrim way, which is, which is Urza and the 99 Highlands. <laughs> but assuming you have even made like a half-hearted attempt. Yeah, if you are at, at least building around each of the things even slightly. Yeah, uh -huh. like the floor on an Urza is probably like a 7 if it's built like with someone who's kind of awake at all, I would guess. And I, I'll, I guess I'll qualify that with at least if you were just on the internet, just assembling a deck list. That way I'm not accounting for like whether or not you bought the actual deck or anything. But yeah, like mm -hmm. if you were to assemble an Urza deck list and you were trying, I think its floor is like a seven. The floor on a Kangi is zero. I feel like <laughs> the floor on a Kangi deck, as much as I love Kangi, I have seen Kangi decks do really fun things online. I think the command mm -hmm. is really cool. I actually have one in a binder that I have of cards that I want to build decks around. I think Kangi's dope as hell, but its floor is a zero and its ceiling <laughs> is a seven. Like, yeah. wanna, you give its ceiling yeah. a seven. You know what? Props to you. Props to you for that. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's like the it's the how I because I think I think the framing there is like how much worse can an Urza deck be versus how much more fun or, or like because like an Urza worst case is going to be a 10 deck at a table where it's going to pub stop. Right. And like then that, that's the worst case scenario. But even that that's like a matter of, you know, like subtle improvements there power wise because it's it's how much worse is it getting stomped by a 10 Urza deck than it is by a seven. I would argue mm -hmm. anything getting beat by a 10 Urza deck is better because it's faster. That's what <laughs> I'm saying is that the yeah. decks that are unfun to play against anyway, that mm -hmm. like you look at them and you say, none of this looks like it's going to interact with my board. It looks like there's going to be no cool decisions to be made. Yeah. What is the downside? <laughs> to, what's the what's to the them risk kind here? of popping up? Because yeah. it's not why you're sitting at that table anyway. I'm mm -hmm. sitting because I see somebody rolling up with a Kangi, and I see somebody else rolling up with a I don't know. Um, uh, uh, who's that really like the seven drop Grixis guy? Thraxamundar? Yeah, Thraxamundar. Oh. <laughs> like somebody's rolling up with a Kangi and Thraxamundar. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I want to sit at that table aside from one chair. So somebody gets the Mana Crypt Soul Ring, and I'm like, oh, dang. They might cast Thraxamundar? That's sick. <laughs> and that's, imagine a world where the Kangi deck is the arch enemy at the table. Because <laughs> I, I think it's the, the trick there. Because I, I definitely think in the extremes, like, I, I absolutely agree. Because it's, like, it's, it's, again, like, the Urzas or the Kennens or whatnot. Like, I... 
I see those decks and those decks are problems on site as it is. And not like to make you feel bad if you're running those things, but just like, I know that the power level of those is going to be higher than my Samut giant tribal deck. Yeah, I, just no, know I don't want to make yeah. somebody feel bad for playing Urza, but there yeah. is an assigned risk with certain commanders. And I feel like enough channels and enough podcasts and people talk about the idea that if you are sitting at the table and you're playing Atraxa, you're going to mm-hmm. garner more hate. And when you sit down at a table and you garner what is called hate, hate is typically more often than not a negative emotion. <laughs> I'm not saying that what you're doing is bad, but I'm saying no, no, yeah. if the initial response is going to be something like, ugh, yeah. then that's just, that's what comes with the territory. Like mm-hmm. I don't have a good attraction deck, but I have one and I get it. If somebody's coming mm-hmm. at me, then I understand yeah, that I'm going to, yeah. It comes with the territory. If, if it's a, yeah, like if you're playing one of these commanders, it's kind of the thing where it's like, you know what? Maybe I get a fair shot game too. But if these are brand new people, like <laughs> you kind of have to, it's everyone wants to have fun. And there is like, I I think in deck construction, it's in the similar way that if you choose to have a commander who is fewer colors, you know that you are opting into a restriction there. I feel like if you're choosing to build around a commander that is known in the community to be very powerful, that is another restriction that you're kind of opting into. You can build spore counter tribal Atraxa and have a lot of fun (laughs) time, but like, unless you are willing to one submit to having everybody go through your entire deck pregame and then also asking them to go through your whole deck pregame. I feel like there's some commanders. You just got to accept that game two is when you're going to get to do the stuff that your deck does, or you can play a commander. That's not, you know, as top tier. That's not going to invite that kind of hate. You can build mono blue artifacts and not runners as the commander. And you're not mm-hmm. going to fight the same kind of hate, even if the 99 is the exact same, just, certain commanders do that yeah and another Mm -hmm. another big thing and this is what i'm saying about wizards trying to fix their problems Mm -hmm. in in the sense that i remember when i was being introduced to the format in the videos and stuff everybody's like tagline everybody's like things like you could play your big dumb old magic cards you can play like your seven drops your eight drops and that was like the selling point was you could play your big things but now design philosophy has changed all of the Mm -hmm. new stuff that's coming out is so cheap uh i think it was a Mm -hmm. statistics episode from uh uh the command zone podcast Mm -hmm. like a recent statistics episode where they said that the average converted mana cost of spells and decks has dropped to like five or six Mm -hmm. like people aren't Uh running aside from maybe one or two like uh what would be grave betrayal or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. It was like the finishers have just gotten cheaper. Like it used to be mm-hmm. like insurrection was one of like the main ones. I don't <laughs> think a lot of people play that anymore. I think mm-hmm. there's just better options to close out a game. And mm-hmm. that is because of new cards. It's because of new design philosophy. Old commanders get left at the wayside because there's always the new stuff. The only way to possibly keep those old commanders coming back and keeping them on that even playing field is to you're still driving an old car, but you're putting some better fuel in it. Because mm-hmm. a mana crypt is only as good as the best thing you cast off it. So if you're yeah. still using a mana crypt to play a Kangi X equals five, <laughs> that's a Kangi. <laughs> Where X yeah. equals five, that's five feather <laughs> counters on your Kangi. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's another thing, is that I feel like if this was a, an option for people, if it was an option, these fast mana rocks, people would be more willing to like stretch out into these kind of weirder things because it's just like, well, I have so much fast mana. Mm-hmm. It's very reliable to think that maybe like turn four, turn five, I could do this eight drop stupid lizard <laughs> and then like maybe mm-hmm. finally swing in. And and yeah. the thing is like, I get it. Don't You don't want to make new cards become staples. Well, I have news for you. Mana Crypt is a very old card. And this is what I'm saying by fixing the problem. The answer was made at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this fast mana that everybody hates is one of the oldest aspects of magic. It's one of the oldest cards. The yeah. answer is in the past to fix the old cards. We need the old cards to fix our new mistakes. <laughs> we, need, we need Mana Crypt's dirt cheap. And another thing, talking about games going too long is a, mm-hmm. a 
a piece that uh, that's common. Yeah. It's a yeah. common complaint that I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can say this, I watched a game recently and I know that this is just one game sure. and there's a million probabilities and stuff, but, uh, there was, um, I believe it was, um, commander versus they mm-hmm. did alphabet soup where you had to build your whole deck based around randomly assigned letters of the alphabet. And one of the people had M. And so mm-hmm. every single, they just had, they had, um, any of the mana rocks that just had mana at the start. They had mana <laughs> crypt. They had mana vault. They had all of the mm-hmm. M's, all of the big, good old things. One, that deck lost. I believe it lost second. Two, it was in a Brea deck, and you would think that that's very strong. But here's the thing about three and four color decks, even two color decks. Getting two mm-hmm. colorless mana, no matter how fast, if you're built around your commander, that doesn't help you cast your commander. Your commander no. is three, four, five colors, unless it's one of those cheaty ones, like a Najila, where it's one red and two, in which case, ah, geez, the Najila deck is going off. <laughs> On turn two, maybe. Whoops, how exactly the same as things already are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, I was going to say, um, one of one of the complaints that people have about the cheap, efficient mana rock things like this is that if like, even if everyone has them, then you're kind of playing a game of, well, based on the shuffle, who has the hand with the most fast mana at the beginning. And then that person mm-hmm. might go up, but you're, you're totally right that. I mean, like in general, in general, most of the time you're going to be dealing with a deck. That's probably at least two colors. I mean, even if it's mono colored, you still have, those colored costs and there's really certainly in the realm of like mana crypts and stuff that it's not colored mana that is so fast and so easy in general unless you're putting out like signpost scarecrow also on turn one (laughs) which maybe but yeah like like we we talked about this a little bit in the in the zendikar rising review because i like it's i am a green player i have always been a green player and dare i say it i will probably always play green and the thing that I actually dislike about the game, like I don't like getting a free advantage by picking one of the colors and not in the sense of like every color in magic. I think an important part of its design is that each color has strengths and has weaknesses at certain things. You might mm-hmm. argue that, Oh, well what's green's weakness then? And we'll talk about that later, but cool. like it's well, by choosing green, I get this automatic benefit of like a fundamental game but a fundamental part of the game, which is access to resources and it's other colors get that, but like it's, it's, they're so prohibitively expensive and not just like in a mana cost way, which would be a decent way to balance it, but in like a financial cost way to Mm -hmm. the player. And at that point, like I'm not even playing against my opponent's, you know, ability to find good cards or to play strategically. I'm playing against their wallet and that's not fun for me. I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. cause I don't want to yeah. win that game even. Oh yeah. Like, um, well, I think Ankh of Mishra, Zozu, mm-hmm. the Punisher, uh, polluted bonds, especially like all of the good, mm-hmm. because you know, I, I see the argument all the time. It's just like, oh, they should allow land destruction, but green yeah. also for some stupid reason is the best at land recursion. If yeah. green mm-hmm. has the colors to just yank them all out of the graveyard. So even the thing that, that stops green doesn't stop green because they're the best at not being stopped by that. Because of course <laughs> yeah. they are the way to do it is punishment cards. Yeah. And it's, it's the thing is also though, like it's, if let's say, you know, I, you know, cause I, a lot of these are artifacts. If I'm in green, I do also have access to these. So it's not as though I can't like, a, a thing that I think has to be mentioned here is like, it's not a, like it, it's something for you to take away my resources. Absolutely. Maybe more of the land destruction effect should exile the lands. Who's to say I need to stop calling for these. I think people hate these, but mm-hmm. even before that though, it's if you blow up my lands, but before you were able to do that, I ramped out to 10 mana and I already played a giant threat. Did you even really stop me? Because a lot of land destruction effects are symmetrical or they're global. So you also had to hurt yourself to do that. Or they're very expensive. Yeah. Or like yeah. mana cost wise. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. like eight, nine, ten mana. You probably had to ramp to do them. And by the time that you get there, I have already been able to not only ramp, but also benefit. So it's like 
it's I agree that green should have advantages when it comes to land because that plays into its aspect of the color pie. But just like they've been they've finally kind of let loose a little bit on like card draw hitting all colors, there are certain things in the game that are like core mechanics that every player has to do that it seems like a bit and granted I think I, I am I am speaking specifically for Commander. Because I don't necessarily see this as much as a problem in, like, I'm not going to say standard. I won't fall for that trap. But other <laughs> formats um, where, like, the the difference in ramp isn't as big of a problem because games don't typically go 10, 15 turns. But, like, it's the ability to to ramp effectively in not green it's a thing that's difficult to do, which I, I think like it it should be that your options are not as efficient within the game. But the current reality is that the cards that do it that you do have access to are just so out of print, so old or so restricted. And when they're reprinted that, again, it gets back to like it's not difficult for the player to find the card. It's not difficult for the player to play it strategically it's difficult for them to afford it. And I like, yeah. as a man, as you know, a pretty long time magic player at this point, like I don't like playing against somebody's wallet. Like I hate that. Mm -hmm. That's not what I got into magic to do. I'd want to beat them on board or because I chose better cards or I played them better. But if like cards like mana crypt, which, you know, like admittedly, I don't even run cards like mana crypt. I do run cards that are pretty high up there due to, I mean, admittedly getting lucky on some pulls and also just, buying some of them but like i don't like the fact that commander at like a decently high level can be determined or can be solely determined just like just by somebody's like wallet that doesn't seem yeah. fun or healthy for the format no and now and, it's and I think a thing that, yeah now go ahead go ahead well i was just gonna say it's and i totally agree with that um mm -hmm. that the game being determined like in terms of power level by what someone can afford financially I, I, it shouldn't be like that, but it, kind of an entire whole extra thing to talk about on this, though, is that, of course, secondary market and all that, there is the, uh, like, in, in terms of Wizards having the reserved list, part of mm -hmm. that is essentially this promise between Wizards and people who have invested heavily in these, these older cards. Um, yeah it's the promise that you know okay we're not going to reprint this so that your investment will not lose value um, yeah you know so so it is the case that if they made these these old in-demand powerful cards uh cheap and, ex and accessible that would destroy the value of it for those collectors Oh, what, and I have a very important thing that? to say about that is that I yes. don't care about them. I don't. I, uh, I probably I will never so. play a yeah. game with person who are investors. <laughs> I want to play yeah. with players, investors, yeah. and pardon yeah. my French. Eh, get them out of here! <laughs> get them out of here! Ooh, I, la la. And also, I heard also, the baguette like, in there. And this is a th like I'm not saying reprint everything on the reserve list. I'm saying yeah. let somebody play a bad deck and have it work. That's <laughs> yeah. all I want because we're hitting a point. And I was mm -hmm. talking to Drew about this recently. Um, that a thing that every commander channel and every commander podcast and all of them say is that commander is a format for people to just play whatever they like. And they always want to reiterate. And it's just like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with not running these cards and so on and so forth. And they go into mm -hmm. an hour long deck tech about their good, strong, <laughs> powerful deck using the newest cards. And then EDH rec yep. is an aggregate website of all the statistics of the cards run in all decks with all the popular decks right there at the top. The old cards aren't there unless they're ones like Ristic study or something mm -hmm. like that. It's all of just the new stuff. Everyone reiterates the new things. It's like, it's like watching Fox news. You're watching Fox <laughs> news and they're telling you all the time of just how terrible things would be if Joe Biden was to become president. And they're telling you, oh, he's mm -hmm. going to kill policemen. And then after that, they say, but make sure you get out there and vote. No matter who you're voting for, voting is important. <laughs> it's the same thing. You just constantly yeah. reiterate, just here is, this isn't correct, but here's how we build our decks consistently all the time. We have this layout of the way we follow the rules. We're going to talk mm -hmm. about that every mm -hmm. single episode, but make sure you do your own thing. Mm -hmm. Well, 
and and um it, i will uh to to uh go ahead and refute the whole question that i put out there um i have heard very convincing data-based arguments that um when uh wizards has in the past essentially violated the reserve list and reprinted mm -hmm. some some older cards the old original printings of those cards that people have invested in for that they, they, they went up they went well, up they, crazy yeah they can go up if like then people have fresh demand for them or they at least stay the same because they haven't reprinted the original printing that yeah, still has like value the, um it's like it's the like, alpha beta birds of paradise is still like two thousand dollars and even brand new yeah printing even like in $10. regards to what i'm talking about like what what mana rocks are still on the reserve list because mana crypt's been reprinted mana vault has mm -hmm. been reprinted mm -hmm. is the only one like the grim monolith is that the or only like, one I, that I, has I black lotus <laughs> well black yeah. lotus isn't legal in yeah. commander anyway oh yeah that's right what? it's just straight banned it's yeah, all of all of the power nine i think are well and it's it's a uh, thing where like I, again rule. it's 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 magic magic exists kind of in this weird spot right where it's mm -hmm. both it or i should say because it is anything that you want it to be if you buy it and you own the cards you can <laughs> have them just be like you know floor decoration but like it's yeah. it's marketed as both a collectible card game and a trading card game and the difficulty there in lies in kind of finding the balance i guess i guess that this is all to preface an actual point, but it's like the difficulty from wizards <laughs> uh -huh. is that for their cards to have any value to stop me from say, hypothetically just writing a bunch of words onto a bunch of, you know, basic lands that the collectibleness hmm. of the pieces has to be pushed into some way. It has to be desirable to some extent for me to want to collect the cards. And then the flip side of that is the cards would need to be playable and accessible by me. Ideally from wizards of the coast, because they, public facing at least still turn a blind eye to the secondary market existing and just assume that everybody has to trade for their cards to get mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's cards are rare because like I would choose to trade to get a rare card to trade other things for it. And so like there's this argument. It's like mana crypt mana crypt is expensive, not because it's collectible because I'm looking at all the printings right now. And like mana crypt surely is expensive. And if I had it, I would put it into a collection because it's worth a hundred dollars. But mm. I look at it and I see the original printing, which is, I would say is valuable because it is, you know, old and there is a, a hard cap on the number of those that exist. Mm -hmm. There is the Kaladesh invention one. I would probably prize that as a collector. Mm. There is the Double Masters, you know, borderless one. But then I see six printings of this with the same art. And, like, I don't necessarily... I don't believe that someone who is... And I, I think here's the distinction, right? Because, like, I think that I would say to someone who is a collector of Magic cards, you know, I don't want them to reprint a visually indistinguishable first edition birds of paradise again right like I, and i don't think people are asking for that like mm -hmm. i want if you have an alpha birds of paradise and that's in your collection and you got it graded and all that i want there to be a limited number of those because that's like an actual collectible thing now the card that is birds of paradise if i especially with you know without even getting into all of like the paper like the literal product <laughs> quality issues that wizards have has been kind of dealing with recently but mm -hmm. it's if i pull one that's got you know new art a new frame it has the copyright date being in the year of our satan 2020 like it doesn't <laughs> it, it, it it objectively does not have the same collector quality to it if there is mm -hmm. a new one like the like the Kaladesh inventions they go all out on that there is a special art printing it is all the way to the frame it has this unique tr treatment that is a collector product and i can see that on site but like mm -hmm. Uh, a, a better example from that same series is a card like Lightning Greaves. Now, Lightning Greaves gets pretty up there because it's a card that you can pretty easily justify including into basically any deck, no matter what its strategy is. But it's also a card that Wizards has maybe not as, you know, to, uh, as best as they possibly could have, but has done a pretty decent job of keeping regular printings out, of coming mm -hmm. out there. But, like, you look at uh, the the collector edition. So the one that is for collectors, people who want cards ostensibly to be expensive, I guess, just to make their collection valuable. The mm -hmm. Kaladesh invention is 90 bucks. Like it's also yeah. way up there. And you compare that to the regular price of lightning groups, which is like three. So it's yeah. not as though like printing, like it's printing game piece versions. Like mm -hmm. I don't 
I don't see the I don't see the actual numbers, which is what the proof that I need to believe <laughs> it. That that printing game piece versions of like these cards mechanically hurts genuine collectors. The the group that I think it does hurt are people who treat magic like a stock investment. Frankly, like people who mm. are day trading magic cards, and who and for whom like a card dipping five dollars overnight is like a big deal because they decided that they would you know skim the money off the top of a kid's trading card game for a living yeah and like mm-hmm. it's if mm-hmm. it, it's if that's how you get your money that's cool but like i don't want to have decisions be made for my hobby to benefit you yeah like that that is a like that's a practice that people do and you know good people bad people whatever people do that too because it's a way to actually make income mm-hmm but the thing is, that is definitionally that it's taking advantage and kind of skimming off the top of this thing that already exists, well, right? Well, yeah, and it's like getting getting back to the thing about, you know, um, the special printings, the original printings, yeah. or the Kaladesh, mm-hmm. like, you know, that sort of thing. Doing another reprint of this card isn't going to impact those collectors versions. Not at all. Um, it was reprinted so, twice this year and it's still hanging out at $85. Yeah. yeah. It, and so it's like, the if thing anything, is, those collector's editions go up, I would. Yeah. Think. So, so, and I can't, I can't off the top of my head. Well, it just ends up being there. There are cards where it's like, um, even though it doesn't necessarily have like that special printing, like just mm-hmm. because it's good in standard or whatever, a card mm-hmm. can be way up there temporarily. And yeah, due to playability. If, yeah. Yeah. And if that, if a reprinting would bring that down, I mean that it's like a reprinting would bring that version down down because you're not talking mm-hmm. about the collector's version but that's going to fluctuate anyway based on what rotates yeah. out of standard but based on what's doing well in standard and so it's like that that already fluctuates anyway mm-hmm. so essentially it's coming down to we're talking about only only impacting the value of like non-specialty printings of mm-hmm. older older cards like, and that's you know and, what I mean? like, and that's the thing like it's it's ultimately like when when i look at magic as a game or at least like and i try to entertain it from the company's perspective right i will accept that they they know that they have an audience out there who likes to collect their product which is an mm-hmm. audience that they can market specialty or arbitrarily rare versions of their product to to get more money and that helps them fund everything else that they do like executive mm-hmm. bonuses and whatnot but also they have a good amount of their audience is people who just want to play the game of magic. Right. And, and I, I think I do want to like, I specifically view their audience as being just those two groups of people. And so like, I don't think that reprinting, you know, mana rocks, be they mana crypt, be they ancient tomb, be they any game piece really. I, I think that that is, I think it's easy to say that helps the regular player because it helps them have access to more pieces. Now you might say that there's like a throttle to that because I know a lot of people talk about product fatigue and like maybe if they're spending so many time, so much time printing so much product and just having too much of it in a general sense is not the best, but I think that's an easily answerable problem. Um, And so then, but it's, I then think that, okay, you look at the other group, does it hurt them at all? I don't see this hurting collectors. One, I don't think people are really like hamstrung over their standard legal card collection. I don't think that that's a collection that a collector is like really kind of striving for. Mm. I don't think that. And then further from that, it's if that, even if that is the case, the precious part of the collecting there is that I have the original printing of this card in mint Mm -hmm. condition from its set or anything like that any subsequent printings of that we see this with cards that have like a reprinting or they have a printing in legends and then a reprint in chronicles where the legends print is like a hundred bucks and then the chronicles print is literally trash so like Mm -hmm. it's reprinting game pieces to have them mechanic to have them like just available doesn't hurt either of the either of the audience for magic, the gathering that I think, I mean, frankly, that I think matters. It's yeah. the people who I think are quote unquote hurt by it are either people who do want to play, who do want to duel their wallet against my wallet. And I won't exactly say that I'm, you know, losing sleep over them mm-hmm. or people who are day trading in magic cards for whom that the like actual values of things going up and going down 
is a is a real concern for them but then mm-hmm. i would just say like i don't know what yeah. to tell you like it, it's or at the very least like it's i don't exactly feel bad if you are put out here because i don't think the game is for you now maybe yeah. some of those people are actually playing and they're probably also actually collecting like they, i don't think that precludes you from doing that but i don't think that any decision should be made if the only people benefiting is that group because i don't see mm-hmm. how like restricting these cards benefits a person just trying to get the pieces to build a deck i don't yeah. see how it benefits a collector i just want to be scared of your derigaz reignited deck that's <laughs> For all once. i want yeah. if you're gonna have four colorless mana and jund in your in your casting cost for a seven seven that when it dies it goes into an egg for three turns i want to <laughs> fear it i yeah. want you to play the stupidest cards and not have to sit there and be like, Oh, well somebody's probably just going to play the newest thing from the thing. And my old dumb cards, I want your old cards to beat my ass to death. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> gets it, you there. I want to be like, afraid uh, of your old jank. I want Urza your, can only Urza get, and Kinnon and Winota can only, there is a ceiling to how strong all of the cards can be together. And it's there is like there's only there's a certain point by which I am no more afraid of Urza because they spent an extra thousand dollars on their mana base. But mm-hmm. it lets me it brings up the 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 ceiling of these decks that have that, you know, that zero floor and it brings them up so that they can hang. And it's like as far as I understand yeah. the community, most people are playing like in this seven, eight on a ten point scale power level. And if more decks can hang there, that enhances the diversity of the format. It's it's not about making it's not it's not about making your deck more competitive. It, and all. as I said, it's about because as I said, Mana Crypt is only as good as the the things you're casting you cast off with of it. it. Right. It's mm-hmm. just yeah. about because you know as I and I say this often, I say I just want my deck more than anything to just do its thing at least once. And I feel like we're yeah. gonna hit a yeah. point. We're like some player who's like been out of the game for a long time and they're coming in with like their, I don't know, commander, uh, you know, 2011, one of the commanders from there. Oh, like they're the, gonna your come first in, gen precon, yeah. And they're just going to get Swamp Dog millionaired by just people who <laughs> happened to play the pre-release the last two years. By just actual from, legitimate from Swamp Dog billionaires. By Swamp Dog billionaires. they can afford the cards. Because it's... it's it's unfortunate and it's and mm-hmm. as i yeah. said it's old design philosophy trying to make up for new design philosophy i want these mm-hmm. old cards to be cheap and in people's hands to make up for how kind of fast and and busted and now, things are and it's not that yeah. being fast is competitive it's that being fast is now just the game right mm-hmm. yeah doing and so for- doing stuff in things is just what the game is people don't typically yeah. take off three four turns anymore except for josh's sea monsters deck yes and now for clarification it's like we in terms of these reprints we we really are just talking about the mana base you know i mean it's because it's yeah i know that i know that like uh, a thing that wizards is about like especially in them doing this new um what are the new booster it's called set set boosters oh booster boosters yeah so yeah they had this whole design philosophy they talked about you know they want it to be so super fun and engaging to open a pack you you know you're always looking to get that bomb thing you can totally just have the bomb things be actual cool fun cards not oh this is an efficient piece for a mana base yeah if you take just those out there's still all the other stuff that isn't just the mana base the ramp and and stuff you know and that's the thing like uh i know that daniel i know you've hit on this before but it's just like it's it's so i get that maybe for a limited environment like these these key ramp pieces or these good color fixing is rare just to maintain the color identity part of the mechanical set of the game but just man it I hate that I currently live in a world where I would be legitimately excited to open a scalding tarn. What is this card? Mm-hmm. It's cause like I, I yeah. pull one, I pull an uncommon. It's like, what is, or like I pull another rare or anything. It's like, what is this? Oh, this is a dragon and it maintains all of my mana. And then I can, I can carry it into a whole other turn. So it like piggybacks all of this magic. Oh, cool, cool, cool. What does this do? It taps for either red or white. <laughs> and that card's like more expensive yes like yeah. it's insane because it's the cool part of the game is not in these mana it's not in these mm-hmm. lands mm-hmm. it's not in these rocks it's in the things you can play with them 
but like the availability of like the bedrock foundation of a deck has been just so like restrictive that I have I now have to have part of my excitement in this game is now tied up and just like oh did I pull a cool land radical like and, yeah. and and it disgusts me and especially mm. like if especially if you're playing like arena like say you're playing yeah. arena and there is mm-hmm. no way to cash in your cards for real nothing mm-hmm. feels worse than opening a pack and being like ah oh, nice a modal double faced land uh, yeah, uh, like it, it, it doesn't gotta, feel good because the only yeah. reason that people care about picking fetch lands and shock lands, even though they do nothing, is only because they are worth money. That's where mm-hmm. the excitement is. It's not, oh, hey, mm-hmm. I was looking for this card because it does a cool thing with my commander. Unless your commander's a landfall thing. Okay, go ahead, mm-hmm. say it in the comments. Oh, this is great for my Gitrog monster, this fetch land. Awesome for you. Great. Yeah, that's right. And I mean that. Yeah. I like Get Rog Monster. Yeah, Get Rog rules. But <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. you shouldn't be excited just because a thing is very expensive when it doesn't do anything cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer to me. Yeah, it's it's this game is like this game is about planeswalking wizards who summon monsters in battle and like we're we're at a point where just due to like financial realities, I get excited about a land and that sucks. It like, does suck. It's it's a bummer. I I remember back when we were first kind of getting into it. I don't think there was a planeswalker that was released that was under like ten bucks. They were all like ten mm-hmm. bucks and oh, up. Yeah. Even like the kind of bad ones. Because yeah. they were still a little new. They were kind of feeling them out. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, three abilities. How do how does all that work? And now it's like, you know, the new Garrick, the new Chandra, the new Liliana from Corset, they're like three dollars maybe. I think the Chandra's like a buck something. Like mm-hmm. Like the, the things that do the stuff are like not not where it's where it's at. Oh, uh, real quick, I do want to touch on um, mm. another mm. thing about people who say that the games take too long. Mana Crypt is a lightning bolt if you flip a coin wrong. So that person is going to be closer <laughs> to death every turn. Ancient Tomb deals two damage to you every time you tap it. I've solved so many issues by just saying put all these <laughs> in your decks. Your issue is you want your bad deck to be good. Or mm-hmm. have your really good deck have a chance to kill itself. <laughs> and I, These are I all pluses to me. And like, and so like in the in the conversation, I do want to like to try to like you know account account on it from all sides. We then because I think I think it's I think it's a pretty strong argument that for people who are playing at you know the seven eight level, that this is I think a strict benefit primarily because it's I think it, it's none of this would. One, I think this is just getting to availability of cards, right? If your play group wants to have slower games, like one, like uh, a friend of ours plays tournament magic, and so he likes to play commander specifically for it to be a much lower power level casual time. Now, I would argue that the decks he builds don't seem to support that theory, but then is, now, is that the one? Who is that? Is it dog jokes? Dog jokes? Plays uh, Jenga Taxes Ramp and, and plays <laughs> Demer Good Stuff with Oracle Amaldaya. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. plays Atraxa. <laughs> but it's Atraxa <laughs> Super Friends with a doubling season. 100%. <laughs> and so, like, it's this thing where, like, if you if you do want your game, like, you want Commander specifically, you want it to be casual. You don't want this arms race of all these things. And then if your playgroup is, like, of the, or you find a playgroup that is of that same mentality, you can absolutely rule zero and just internally soft ban things like soul ring and other mana rocks if the whole because that accomplishes what people say when they want to ban them out of the format that accomplishes that for what your experience is going to be because ultimately i want to say mm -hmm. real quick okay if i go to a table and somebody sitting there is playing atraxa and they're playing like um memnarch and they try (laughs) to rule zero my kangi deck You can't have any fast mana in your deck, wink, says the Atraxa Super Friends player with all of the land ramp in green and me and my Azorius birds deck. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, because then what's the point of getting the cards? You can't. Oh, yeah. That's the thing that people don't seem to understand is that you slowing down the game doesn't slow down the game. It's specifically... Well, I mean, you slowing down the game, it 100% does just slow down the game. But you also (laughs) just make it where the deck that couldn't win unless it had a good start can't get a good start compared to what other decks are doing. So you Mm -hmm. you slowed down the game for sure. It's going to take longer, and one Mm -hmm. player has already lost. 
Oh, yeah, you know, turn one going is, forward. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is like, I, it's, I'm talking about like two separate groups. Like, it's yeah, the, yeah, like it now. And I and like and definitely like, if you are in a play group with like a you know a super friends attracts a player and you do just want to play them play against them with a janky Kangi deck, like that's rad. Jank but like, I think Kangi. it's a, like I think I think it's like that kind of thing where if you're it, you should you should opt in to suboptimal deck building. Like, I don't think it should be a restriction that you just like it, again, like it's behind us effectively just a real world, you know, it's behind like this paywall or behind like this dollar amount for you. Like it's whenever I built my, I have a single monocolor deck. I opted in to that extra restriction on my deck building by only getting one color. I opted into having a deck that was going to be trickier to pilot because I chose a Timsis. But like, these were things that the deck building difficulties there were things that I did deliberately choose to do. It shouldn't just be like, I go through a dollar bin and I find like a fun legendary. My only option is to build it in this kind of jankier way. Right. Where like it's, I, I, I can't play it at like most tables. And so again, like, I think this is a thing where even if like, cause I mean, soul ring now, soul ring gets reprinted so often that it's like two mm -hmm. to $3 at most points of the year. A lot of play groups do still have a house band for soul ring because they came together and decided they didn't want to play with it. And that I think is totally fine, but it's mm -hmm. also in a reality where soul ring is still like only a dollar. Like it is a very accessible card. Now, yeah. I would say it should even be cheaper than that, ideally, because it, again, is not it's not an exciting part of the game. It's like soul, like a collector, like the um, the 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 convention edition of Soul Ring, that collector's edition. That is yeah. a point where I can feel justified in getting excited about a card that is just a mana rock. And I don't feel bad about that because it's got cool art and it's a rare printing, yada, yada, yada. But mm -hmm. like these key, these kind of core game pieces, these things that are just not the exciting part of this game. It's not fun to ramp. It's fun to play the things that ramping lets you play. Mm -hmm. Like those should just be available and playable. I th and and yep. that's kind of my main point is that I think mm -hmm. just the power level of magic has hit such a place where not only do I think that these, you know, all these mana rocks should be there. Mm -hmm. I, I think at a point, if your deck is like something really cool and really wonky, it's going to be a necessity if you don't want to just lose. Now, granted, there's always other things that can happen. You have four players at a table. If somebody gets off real quick, they may get killed and you might be able to sneak in there. That is some mm -hmm. of the fun mm -hmm. of the game. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine that it's that fun to just always be the one left alone and ignored the whole time, every single game. If that's your style, then that's that's interesting. I'd like to get to know you <laughs> and yeah. figure out your deck building mm -hmm. philosophies of just I actively don't want to play until <laughs> like roughly turn eight or nine. And then that's when yeah. I can kind of maybe sneak in. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting. Yeah. But send me the I, deck list. I do want to see that. That's I want. Cool. I want to. I want people who, because it's you know as as you stated in other episodes, it's just sometimes mm -hmm. you have to actively, you know, when you're like, oh, I could I could actively choose to build a Traxa in a worse way, even though there's the yeah. better way, mm -hmm. and that's what you have to do with these old decks. You're actively choosing a worse option of so many better things. But I yeah. think that just if these things were around I, honestly proxium Everybody i mean yeah I, I feel like, i feel like we were we were eventually going to get there because that was going to be my like kind of closing my, question is i personally don't like to proxy cards that i don't have that yeah. feels weird to me uh, but if yeah. i'm sitting down uh -huh. across from somebody and they're pulling out their kangi deck and i'm playing <laughs> something like i'm playing tatiova who's another just instantly hated commander that i have yeah. a deck of mm. i just got tatiova uh, Drew has like Sadisi and Josh mm -hmm. has like Anawan stacks and you're coming <laughs> over here with Kangi? with Kangi and you're like, guys, I have a couple of proxies in my deck. I proxied a Mana Vault, uh, Ancient Tomb and, uh, and a Mana Crypt. Is that okay? And I'd say I was going to hand you the real ones if you didn't because <laughs> I want you to hang and that's the, I want people to hang and I don't want people's yeah. decks to have to to have to suffer because now playing old playing jank is suffering 
unless mm-hmm. you literally have talked to everybody in your group and it's just like, hey, let's just all agree to play terrible decks. Yeah, yeah. And like whenever you're watching like, you know, game nights or commander versus yeah, like the commander clash. Thing. Yeah. Where uh. they're specifically doing a week of just like, Hey, here's some bad decks. Here's a, here's a funny <laughs> gimmick. We built ours around video games. And so everybody's yeah. deck mm-hmm. is a video game. Then sure. But I don't think real humans get to do that that often because they're not channels that are paid to play magic <laughs> and just have access to every single mm-hmm. card. Always. I don't think yeah. you get that. So if you if you have a deck, if you got some jank, if you're playing Daragaz egg counters, and then you <laughs> and you need to get in there, run it, mm-hmm. proxy, mm-hmm. do it, everyone do it, drive the price into the mud, let investors be upset. <laughs> I don't care about investors. If my favorite mm-hmm. card was expensive and it went into the dirt, that means more people are playing my favorite card, and I get Red, to play yeah. against my favorite card. If I had to uh-huh. see Omen Machine every game, I cannot imagine that I would be upset. I also do <laughs> wish Omen Machine was worth $100, and then the price took a nosedive. That's what I want. I wouldn't even sell them at the top. i just watch it gleefully, like, people are buying this? And then, um, and then it's, well, what, yeah, I, it's think, what I want. It's what it's, I want. It's, it's a thing that, like, I know it's, uh, like... The, the key thing here is, again, like it's I don't think having an ancient tomb or having a mana crypt in your deck is like that. That's not that's not a wow moment for me. Like it's mm-hmm. a thing where it just your deck is I can like and I, I think I've said this like it's I have I have, you know, lucked into a couple copies, a couple copies of some commander staple cards. Like I have a couple demonic tutors. I have a couple of like really strong counter spells. Yeah, mm-hmm. I literally treat uh, I treat the handful of those that I have. Like in our group, I literally call them training wheels. I put them into decks that are at lower power levels because they're either newer or if they're doing something really weird. Oh, yeah, like, and so I, hmm. I I training wheel these decks a bit until that I, I feel like I can get them up to the higher power level so that I can free up my demonic tutor to put it into a different deck. I but got like at the chrome same, moxes. Yeah. I got lotus yeah. petals. I've got all these crazy mana rocks in my Arkham Dagsum deck. It's just about ramping an omen machine into play. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like yeah. it's, it's, it has allowed me to like it's, I have a giant tribal deck, which is just on its face. You go, well, that's not going to be strong. And you're right. But <laughs> I have like through finding, you know, these things that again, these aren't the really cool giants that the deck runs. That's the fun part of the deck. They're the mana base. But by upping that quality, I was able to get it to a place where it could hang. And I just wish that more decks could hang. Like it's, it's what I think my, my, my biggest takeaway from like this conversation, whether it's like this one in specific or just anytime like the price of magic in a general sense comes up is when I want to recommend my favorite game, Magic, to another person, I have to caveat it every single time with qualifying that, like, hey, this hobby is really expensive, so I get it if you don't want to play. And I feel like the game, it's like, it's, you know, it's growing and the company's making all the money it could ever make. And that's rad for people who have stocks and stuff, but I do not care about them and I wish Mm -hmm. they would go away. But it like, it makes this game harder. Like it's, it's at the point now, like literally I, I brew a lot of decks because I think it's very fun to do, but I maintain a lot of decks because I have friends who I want to share the game with. And so I actively spend my time and money to build a deck so I can hand it to somebody so that they can play with me without having to be out hundreds of dollars. Like, I feel like the game because of like these pieces, these just kind of like not even the cool part of the game cards make it more difficult for me to even share this game with other people. Because it's mm-hmm. just so it's like it's I know that it's a big money sink if they were to actually get into it. And because they are my friends, I'm like, hey, don't feel bad if you don't want to spend all this money on cardboard. Like I have now spent other things to you know have you on that. But like it, it makes me recommend the game less and it shouldn't be like that. Oh, yeah. I and I've, I've said this multiple times and mm-hmm. I feel like I've said it on this episode is that when people ask me. <laughs> Um, about Magic the Gathering. I say Magic the Gathering is my favorite card game uh, that I've ever played. I'm incredibly invested in it. And they said, oh man, should I play? I say, absolutely not. There's a million rules to learn. It's impossible (laughs) to learn. I still make mistakes. And also it costs more money than anything you'll ever do. It's a terrible thing to invest in. I would never (laughs) wish that upon anybody. And and I mean it. I mean that. And that's for Uh sure. 
but it's just like, you know, but if they're just like, oh, well, and, you know, and they want to sit down, it's like, I feel like kind of how, um you know, our friend kind of got mm-hmm. into it. And I feel like we kind of let him know that that kind of stuff was a thing. But he said, no, you know what? I'm down to drop some money. And if somebody <laughs> yeah. comes up to me and they say, yeah, I'm down to to spend the money to play the game, then I would say, okay, well, if you're willing to spend the money and you have accepted that part, then, you know, I can help you get into it. I can teach you. Yeah. We can play some games, borrow my stuff. But if somebody and like can't, I'm not going to tell them to. Yeah. I don't know like what wizards could do to make me tell them to. It's it's mm-hmm. I will tell somebody to write. I'll give somebody a hundred basics and tell them to sharpie on each one of them, even the ones that they intend to keep as basics. And I'll tell them to write <laughs> every single one before I will tell somebody that I just want to sit down and play a game for fun with to spend forty dollars on a deck to spend a hundred dollars building a custom one. Like it's just mm-hmm. like it, and it's it's this thing where like it, it's we have friends who I think are like even partially invested. They have big collections, but it's like to build a commander deck, to build a commander deck, and uh like at, and play it at a, at a at a level where you're doing the cool stuff where not everybody is playing a budget deck. And it's like, hey, that absolutely can be fun, but there is also fun to be had at the higher power levels there. Like it's just to have key pieces costs a lot of money. And that's the thing. Like it's a thing that prohibits the community that plays magic from growing in a way that shouldn't matter. Like it's, I don't care about the person I'm playing with having money. It's, and I, I don't, I don't think that good people should care, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a arbitrary thing where it's again, like it's uh, like I said, kind of really early on, it's what I want to play against is somebody's creativity and deck building and their ability to strategize on the, at, like at the table. I just don't want to play against people's wallets. And as long as I feel like our mana bases and mana rocks and stuff stay at the prices that they stay at, I keep having to duel against wallets and that's just, that sucks. And, I don't and that's do a that. great point that you said about you want to play against somebody's creativity. And I feel like uh-huh. you just, you know, this goes back into the design that I think that how cards are designed, people can't be as creative as they would really like. It's like, you they know, to make concessions. Yeah, painting yeah. the Mona Lisa doesn't matter if you die five years into painting it. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't get to finish. You don't get to finish the painting. Like, yeah. You can be as creative as you like, but uh-huh. with just how decks work, unless everybody mm. is actively choosing to be purposefully obtuse in their deck yeah. building, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're, you're just going to be a man holding a brush while everybody else is already at the museum. You can go mm-hmm. do something else. And I, it makes me, it makes me very mad. But now after this whole conversation, um, I do want to say that if, if you are still willing to drop some money, right. On, um, on, you know, uh, magic, but these yeah. exorbitantly expensive cards like fetch lanes and stuff, there's actually plenty of artists out there who do, like proxies and they'll do mm-hmm. like altered their sleeves. own versions of art. Yeah. You can get um altered sleeves. You can do things like mm-hmm. that, but there are people who will just be like, Hey, you can just buy this from my Etsy. It's just like a mm-hmm. foil card. It's a mana crypt. It's art. That's not official wizards art. It's just supposed to be a proxy and you can still give a person like money mm-hmm. and you can still like help an artist <laughs> do something yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah. still have a deck and people are going to let you do it. And I can't like when I'm at uh, when I'm playing at my LGS, which I haven't done in a long time. Y'all know what's been going on since March. Don't be dumb. Yeah, um, so we don't. But like whenever I'm playing against somebody who has proxies and they're just like, oh, hey, here's the scalding tarn. And then the art's like something crazy and ridiculous mm-hmm. and something that would never be on a magic card. And I'm just like, what is this? And they're like, it's a scalding tarn proxy that like this person on a website did. And then I'm just like, that's uh-huh. sick. That's really cool. Yeah. Because it's not just, oh, hey, it's one of Wizards' expensive cards. It is, this is something you actively sought out Mm -hmm. and was like, this is really neat. I like this person. And then supported just some artist who's kind of just diddling (laughs) around and made a cube, a cube that spits out mana. Or it's just like a picture (laughs) of some anime girl. Whatever. I don't care. I want your Kangi deck to have a shot of beating my booty out. (laughs) <laughs> it all goes back to just I want to die to Kangi and I want to feel scared of Kangi. I want to sit across from an old bad deck and I want to be afraid of its turn one. I want to be fearful. I I want to come back and play that deck and roll my eyes and say, oh, the Kangi as I clench my teeth and 
grit my hands. I don't want my Naya Giants deck to ever lose to anything. It will. Mm. Somebody will play a cannon deck with no mana crypts <laughs> or soul rings, and they'll still ramp out faster with a mind stone. And, that, yeah. and that's the last point I wanted to touch on, mm-hmm. is that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, more mana rocks in a deck, I guess, is is bad. Um, sure, because some people are just like, well, it kind of like prohibits deck building, or or whatever. Mm. But it, it, and I'll say this: I don't, I don't understand that. I don't mm. get it. I like the idea that because it's every, every car has a steering wheel and a gas pedal. Just, <laughs> just let the thing drive. Why you gotta be yeah. such? Be like, wow, how yeah. uncreative a soaring, right? And it's just <laughs> like, yeah, and, and I bet you get to work. <laughs> on time you stupid yeah. jerk get out of here <laughs> <laughs> don't don't be like, i don't get understand em. and i don't get care em. i don't care what bad bird somebody had to cut to make their kangy deck <laughs> sick it was stormcrow it, and that's fine actually i would say if they if they cut stormcrow specifically in their kangy deck they're probably not building kangy for the right reasons I, there's a, there's Storm a, Crow is too much of a thing at this point. It's it's yeah, stayed yeah, too long. Get it out of here. Storm Crow's <laughs> an investor. I don't want to see it. I don't want to touch in my game. <laughs> I want it out. I want to get killed by a Kangi deck. And also, I, I genuinely think that if most people had like access to Mana Crypts, I bet that they would just cut something like Mindstone or Hedron Archive. They would, yeah. cut, the yeah. they would cut the less efficient exactly. ramp and just put it. So I don't think it would actually change things that much. I think Ancient right Tomb now, would, would be a thing. I would cut basics. That's because at, at my core, at my, you know, my most honest I can be, I'm a bad deck builder. I will cut basics every time. <laughs> it's a problem, and I do not want to hear any solutions. <laughs> I'm not going to mean, give it's you just any. like, Mana <laughs> might deal three damage to you. That's a bad card. <laughs> Why would you want that? Oh, and another thing to say, people say that the fast mana, and I think I never got to finish the statement, but that uh-huh. game that that person lost, that game, just to just to give you an idea, on Commander Versus, um, mm-hmm. they don't ban Soul Rings. They don't ban any, they don't have any house bans. Don't have any house on Commander bans. Clash, they ban Soul Rings and they ban Mana Crypts. Any card that's over like $100 and all the fast mana. And Cyclonic Rift. And Cyclonic mm-hmm. Rift, they banned. Um the deck that I watched and you know, as I was saying back then way long ago is that the mm-hmm. deck with the, with the moxes and the mana crypts, that game was about an hour and 30 minutes and commander clashes games typically on average go for about an hour and 30 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. I think if people mm-hmm. are playing the game, then the, the person who has the fast mana gets dealt with. I think that that was in the, yeah, I think that that was in another one of the Commander versus Statistics episodes, or the uh, Command Zone, yeah. was just yeah, that the, the person with the turn one soul ring typically lost because they'd get too mm-hmm. far ahead and then people would have to deal with them. And if, you know, that's that's just, yeah. the game kind of evens itself out in that way. If somebody's dropping a turn one soul ring mana crypt, then you just go, yeah, okay, well, now we know. And then there you go. Mm-mm. Unless they're Kangi, you leave them alone. Yeah, Honestly, well, guys, I have to admit, this whole episode stems <laughs> from the fact that I want to build a Kangi deck, and I was going to ask y'all if I could proxy uh, Ancient Tomb, <laughs> Mana Vault, and Mana Crypt. Ah, oh, well, no, 